What is up, all you bench warmers? Really quick before we get into the first of the Ride in the Pine series, while Nico is on his little bit of a sabbatical from the show, wanted to give a quick update. I will be going on the Mamba's Legacy podcast this Wednesday. They said they should have it up a little bit later today as you guys are listening to this. I'll be on their show. Nico went on a while back, and I will be back on the Mamba's Legacy podcast, another collaboration with those guys. So can't wait to get on. You guys will definitely enjoy that episode. You can follow them on Twitter at Legacy Mambas, and then also be on the lookout for our bonus episode coming up. We're going to have a special guest from the PTV Sports Network. You guys can find their YouTube channel, um, and then you can also follow them on Twitter at PTV Sports Posts. He will be joining us for a special bonus interview on Friday. Can't wait. Hope you guys are going to enjoy this ride in the pine and then also enjoy the rest of the content that you guys have coming this week. Let's go ahead and get into the episode of the podcast. What's up, bench warmers? Back after a little bit of a week off following the Super Bowl. Obviously, I uh, needed some time to collect my thoughts, so took that. And then Nico and I also discussed. Uh, he's he's got some more things opening up at work um, and it's taking a little bit more of his time so during this period in between Super Bowl and March Madness we're going to be doing things a little bit differently we'll be releasing this show this series uh, which is going to be Riding the Pine I'll explain what that is here in a second and uh, shortly around the time of, of the beginning of March at least leading up into the March Madness tournament, Nico will come back full time and we'll get the uh, normal episodes rolling again. But for now, it'll be the Riding the Pine series, uh, myself, and every now and then, Bree, who is normally our camera person, she's going to come on and uh, be the second personality on the show. Really going to be just a quick rundown of news in the world of sports, just so that we continue to bring you guys something to listen to each week that you guys can enjoy, get you through a little bit of a work day. And uh, we get to continue to talk about sports because it's not like things are slowing down. We'll talk about it coming up, but there's quite a few things going on. Uh, there's another All-Star Weekend, which I don't know if, if that's uh, something that you guys were aware of, but it happened. Um, but that it does not mean Nico and I are, are we're not, you know, we're just taking a little bit of a break. I'm giving uh, the content, keeping the content going for you guys. He's taking some time and getting things squared away at work so that by the time March Madness comes around, we'll be able to hit things head on. And we have a lot of cool things planned. We're going to be doing another March Madness ESPN bracket challenge that we did through the app last year. We did a shirt giveaway last year. I think this year uh, we're going to be giving away a gift card. So depending on how many people sign up, it'll be one bracket, winner takes all, and we'll give you a uh, Visa gift card of a certain amount. We'll, we'll decide that a little bit closer to the tournament. Uh, so we'll have that coming up. We'll be getting everything in in regards to March Madness and major events coming up because it's also when the NBA and NHL playoffs will be 
uh, getting going, and we'll, we'll be talking plenty about that, which rolls into minicamp offseason for the NFL, and we'll have our summer segments come back with the how it should have sounded, factor cap, <clears throat> all of those of that good stuff. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and now I kind of get to maybe speak a little bit more maybe in a, about different events that uh, Nico and I might not have touched on, and it's not going to be a ton of time that we're going to be, be be here. So we'll get into the headlines from the last week. First off, Medina Spirit is officially stripped of the 2021 Kentucky Derby Championship. Bob Baffert is suspended 90 days, and uh, not all, only was the title stripped and Baffert suspended, he was fined the entirety of the purse for the win plus an extra $7,750 on top of everything else that had gone on. Obviously, uh, now the title will be recognized as to Mandaloon, who was the Jed Monty's horse that year, and the Kentucky Derby committee came out and said that they'll be giving her a special, or that breeder, a special recognition ceremony so that they have something there to celebrate what was really it's now going to be looked at as a tainted event it was strange the way it went down obviously testing positive for the substance that was legal but not legal baffert being involved in another one of these scandals and the horse dying in december was strange the way that this worked out and now i think it's finally wrapped up full circle into it's a lot like cycling and, and a lot like baseball as you can't really talk about the sport without talking about the steroid scandal or, or cheating in involved in it. And if you want to be really good at it, I guess you'd be like Bob Baffert and only get caught a certain amount of times and, and get fined every so often. But you continue to put out championships and win tons and tons of money and uh, continue to race horses. But it, it was a strange um, way to bring that story arc to an end kind of the strangest story of the entire pandemic cycle that was the the that kentucky derby was one of the first things that was opened up a little bit more we had people out there in masks and it was uh medina spirit won and won handedly but then obviously right afterwards there was the question of of the banned substance and baffert's horses being under scrutiny again so Medina Spirit, unfortunately, going to live on throughout the rest of horse racing's memory as the biggest cheating scandal of recent horse racing era. I don't know how what they, not a big enough horse racing fan to know exactly what, what to call it. Uh, XFL and the NFL entered into a partnership. This is going to be something, if you're a fan of alternative football, especially if you're one of our listeners to the north of the U.S.-Canada border, this is not going to sit well for you. The deal that was talked about, uh, a partnership between the CFL and the XFL when this new rebranded league under Danny Garcia and Dwayne The Rock Johnson came out, this agreement that they supposedly had on the table now not only is no there was a chance that they might be able to work things out negotiations stalled out uh during the end of the the late summer and now the nfl came and partnered with the xfl uh, as a part of they will focus on game innovation as well as advancing player safety it's also going to be a little bit of a referee training ground so we'll be able to try and get the best referees in positions as possible. Uh, this was pretty much almost on the table during that relaunch back in the 2020 
back in 2020 when it was cut short by the pandemic starting. And now it's been solidified that the NFL and the XFL are going to be, it's quote unquote, a Petri dish is how ESPN put it. They're going to be able to test new equipment. They'll, this kickoff, if they're going to change any of the rules, the way that this is sounding, the rules will first be implemented in the XFL to see how fans react to them, see how the referees react to them, see if they make any sense to actually be implemented into the, the first game. This is not something that's new. Going back to the very first XFL when, with Vince McMahon and the WWF, uh, a lot of the camera angles that are used now during most of the broadcasts were actually picked up from the XFL games and brought over to the NFL. Uh, but I think that this is a good step to show that Danny Garcia and The Rock are probably going to be the most successful run of the XFL that we're ever going to see. I liked the 2020 product. It was probably a week or two away it, about being, we would have gotten to the crux point and seen what that XFL was going to be able to actually do, but we never really got to that point. And now with Danny Garcia behind it and just, it seems like this is going to be the first group that actually has money to be able to put towards the league. And it's not going to be a loss no matter what happens. So with that, you earn yourself a little bit of time and it's a perfect kind of swoop. They're going to be able to get their season started and they're going to be into the playoffs before the USFL even starts up. I think the USFL is supposed to start up in April. And I think the XFL is going to be looking to get their season wrapped up and championship done around that March time because they know if you put a XFL game up, up, up against the March Madness game, whether it's a play-in of the 64 pigtails, it's not going to be comparable. So Danny Garcia is firm also in saying that they're going to stay a spring league no matter what anybody is going to try and say. They're not going to be a developmental league. They're not a NFL Europe. They're going to stay in the spring. That's pretty much been the downfall of any other alternative league besides the NFL is that you can't go head-to-head with them in the fall. It's just not possible to be able to go up against them with the way they own television and own the days of the weeks now. Staying in the spring is the best thing for any of these new leagues that are coming in, and this is going to be a huge thing for uh, football in general. You get guys getting opportunities that maybe don't see scouts or see the chance to get to the next level. This will be a, a way to play professional football, prolong that career a little bit. You'll also be getting a lot more opportunities for coaches to be able to be developed. We're not really going to be seeing these Matt LaFleur's or Sean McVay, Zach Taylor's if the XFL works the way that they're going to have it because you're going to be able to develop these coaches during their early time in the XFL, basically creating a new minor league, even though you already have pretty much a minor league system in the college football way of doing things. So the XFL-NFL partnership was huge news that came out, broke Monday morning, and uh, probably dominated most of what the sporting world was talking about at that time. Something good in the NFL to probably one of the more questionable things that happened over the weekend. It was announced on Monday that there's a group of about, there's a group of agents that represent about 156 of the 360 athletes that are invited to the NFL combine. And they came out and uh, the NFL released its COVID regulations, what the players who are invited to the Combine in Indianapolis are going to be able to do, what they're going to be subjected to. Pretty much they go in and it's a bubble. They're not going to be able to talk to their personal trainers. They're not going to be able to talk to their coaches, nutritionists, 
it's pretty much going to be just the NFL, the people who are taking their measurements at the combine and the uh, players personnel, the owners, per, teams personnel that, that are able to go there that are scouting, obviously. Uh, their agents are not taking this. They're, they're saying that this is a little bit much. They're not wanting to hand over all the freedoms of their players to the NFL in this kind of a manner. It's not something that they're wanting to subject their clients to do. Uh, and we're at a little bit of an impasse where the combine is supposed to start next week and you're going to be possibly seeing a majority of these athletes that are just showing up, taking the medical exams, and then not doing any of the testing. And they're just going to go and do their testing at their pro day, which is what a lot of players are starting to do anyways, instead of doing everything on the NFL's terms, taking control back in that manner. And the teams are going to go out to the pro day and get an extra look at a guy anyway. So why, why risk the bad test and instead of take advantage of it being on your home turf? So it makes sense as to why the players are, are in the situation that they're in. And it's really, there's no need looking at any of the statistics for what the NFL put out their protocol. I said pretty, I've been pretty outspoken in, in saying that all these leagues are dropping the ball in the fact that they don't have a plan in place for COVID. In this case, they have a plan in place, but it's a plan that would have been smart to be implicate, implemented at the very beginning of the pandemic when we knew that this was going to be something that's transmissible, there's no vaccine, and people aren't already building up any kind of an immunity to it. The Every statistic, the CDC is coming out and saying that we're getting very close to being able to lift the federal mandates and just being able to kind of exist normally again. Now, there's no need for the NFL to be as strict as they're going to be during the, the combine. Is it their right to be? I guess. Um, I'm sure there's going to be something in the collective bargaining re- agreement that is uh, going to solve this, or maybe it doesn't get solved. Then we see a good majority of the players invited to the combine not, not even do any of the field work. It's going to be a strange standoff because then you got to worry about NFL Network, this is going to be a huge thing for their viewership. If there's no testing going on, who's going to be watching the Combine? Um, and you you got to think that the TV, NFL is reliable, on, reliant on the TV and, and what the television channels want, the executives want ratings. They have to be able to put product out at certain times. That's why we got the uh, weird Pro Bowl last year where everybody was playing Madden. The NFL is going to have to acquiesce at some point and make us either a stand saying if you only show up, if you show up just for the medicals, you have to do the field test and see if the players still do um, call your bluff or you just give the players what they want and and give them the freedom to do and move about the um, premises. Because like this is something that when we were first starting to fight, against the coronavirus this made sense and now we're we're at the point of experience two and a half years into this thing we understand what has to be done and we're pretty good about keeping everybody safe around us and i think that's what the players i i err on the side of the players and the agents and the fact that the nfl is just trying to flex their muscle and show that they still have ultimate power and say in what happens at any of their events and for the final segment of this week's Riding the Pine, 
Uh, we're going to look at the Mile High Report. We have two teams that are currently in the thick of uh, very playoff seasons. Obviously, the Nuggets and the Avalanche both well within the area to make the playoffs. But uh, they're on two different trajectories, and we hadn't been talking about them because we've been dominated by the NFL playoffs and different things going on in, in the NFL coaching-wise. Broncos getting their new head coach. But the Nuggets and Avalanche are both on postseason collision courses with, you know, this is pivot. These are pivotal years in both franchises' championship windows, and we'll we'll start with the Colorado Avalanche, who lost earlier today on Monday, five to one, to the Boston Bruins. They were eight one and one prior to today's matchup. In their last ten, had a plus sixty goal differential, and Darcy Kemper picked up his second shutout in a row last week against the Las Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas. Uh, it, everything was looking real good. Obviously, today with the President's Day matinee, um, there is a lot of different factors you can maybe account to a poor, poor performance. There are good things to take away. Uh, obviously, you can't win every single game. You don't really want to be peaking at this point in February. You'd rather be getting really hot towards the beginning of the playoffs starting. Nico and I have said it a lot. We don't really want to win the President's Trophy. It has not boded bode well for teams in championship contention seasons. Uh, so the Avalanche losing, making sure that they still work on, you know, they, they weren't playing the cleanest hockey in their last two games against Buffalo and now against Boston. They are making a lot of mistakes. Kale McCarr's turning the puck over in his own zone. Um, uncharacteristic mistakes for this season. So this is... You know, they started off, I think, 3-3-1, three, three and one, and it were 33-3-1, 33-3-3 three and, uh, three, three and over their next 36 games. Like, the Avalanche went on a, a crazy streak, and the fact that they still, you know, before today, Darcy Kemper's last loss was over Thanksgiving weekend in November. Uh, so this team is in no need, like, they don't need to worry about losing one game to a Boston Bruins team who is tr- still trying to fight and maintain their playoff positioning in the East. They're going to make the playoffs, but uh, they're a team that wants to, you know, they're a team that thrives off of home ice advantage. So the Boston Bruins are going to play you tough. Uh, it's disappointing that you lost to them without Brad Marchand. This was the last day of Marchand's suspension before he's able to come back and play for his team. So it's disappointing that you still gave up five goals to a team missing one of their best offensive weapons. But then again, every team has one of these clunkers that you put out, and they were able to get away with it facing a team like Buffalo, who is improved by a lot and has now Alex Tuck, like guys that are playing very well for the Sabres. Um, so it, it was you get, were able to get away with it against a team like that. But against Boston, against Tampa, who the Avalanche have beaten on this recent win streak that they were on, against Florida, these teams that they have beaten in the regular season, when you play these teams in the playoffs, you're going to have to learn how to come back from a clunker, maybe win a game that you shouldn't. I think we saw that last year in in the round where the Avalanche lost to the Vegas Golden Knights. The Avalanche lost games that they, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights won games that they shouldn't have won against Colorado Avalanche. And the Avalanche gave a couple games away. So if you're not doing that at pivotal points, if you're making sure that you take these opportunities in the regular season where you didn't play very well and you improve on the situations that you need to improve on. I think that you can make this make a point to have a loss at this point of the season to a good team on the other side of the conference or the other side of the league. 
this is a good thing that's happening for this team and it's going to benefit you later on down the road. I don't think that you have to worry about goaltending anymore. Darcy Kemper settling in very nicely. And, you know, it, the big question is going to be, can you keep Nazem Kadri on the ice? Because in the three seasons that he's been with the Colorado Avalanche, he has yet to play in 50% of the playoff series. He has, he has been suspended in two of those three seasons. And the fact is, he's the second best. He's a second-line center. And right now, he's statistically, he's your best player on the Colorado Avalanche. That's that's the kind of production that he's able to bring when he's on the ice. And it makes te- good teams great when you're able to roll out a second-line guy like Nazem Kadri who can go put, put pucks on nets, give scoring chances. Uh, so keeping him on the ice is going to be the biggest X factor for the Colorado Avalanche and Jared Bednar. Because Jared Bednar, I've said it in the past, he doesn't have good control over the the mentality of his team. I think this year is something different and you're seeing players play different roles. Uh, Gabe Landeskog is not looking for sniping opportunities. He's crashing the net. Val Nachushkin is crashing the net and these, these avalanche are playing with size and they're playing with a physicality and they do have a guy in Dylan and Curtis McDermott who can go out there and throw with a goon. So you have that level of edge to this Colorado avalanche team that we've been talking about has been missing for so long it's going to come down to what can you do in the playoffs. But as of right now, I think that you take the loss to Boston today. You don't let it roll into a loss to Detroit coming up later in the, on in the week, and you live to fight another day. So the Colorado Avalanche are still in prime position. But then you got to look across the dressing room now to the Denver Nuggets. Um, it's another lackluster all-star weekend. You basically didn't even – if you didn't know that it was going on, you wouldn't have – thought that it was it was actually happening throw on top of that one of the worst dunk contests in recent history maybe in nba history you had uh uh hakeem yeah no kareem abdul jabbar you had kareem abdul jabbar walk out of the nba all-star dunk contest what nico likes to talk about is like the crown jewel of all-star events and it was absolute garbage this this year so Another bad all-star weekend, but it's finally time to take a look at the Denver Nuggets and are they, what are they going to be on this playoff run? As of of now, they sit at the sixth seed. They're two and a half games behind and two and a half games ahead. So they're sandwiched right there. I think they're behind the Mavericks and ahead of Memphis. Those, Those are the two teams that are right around them. You still have no Jamal Murray. You still have no Michael Porter Jr., and you're 33 and 25. It's um, you know it's disappointing right now that you still aren't able to see Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. back on the court for the Denver Nuggets. But I think that we've been able to see signs of this team and what their potential could be this season. The Denver Nuggets right now could be anywhere from a play-in team, possibly not even making the actual tournament, to a team that you could maybe get surprised by and make a little bit of a run maybe to the conference semifinals, maybe conference finals, like we saw in the bubble. Um, it, it's going to, you know, they they are just not a very good team when Nikola Jokic isn't on the floor. And that's not been a secret. I think that's been everybody's 
it, everybody's scouted the Nuggets to the point where if you're when you take advantage of Nikola Jokic having to take rest, not being able to play 48 minutes a night consistently at the level that they need him to play at, uh, you're able to beat the Denver Nuggets and you're able to beat them fairly easily. Now, is this something that's fix- fixable? Yes. I think that you have to throw into account with the injuries to your main two of your three main stars, are they maybe trying to bide their time a little bit, see if they can salvage somewhat of a successful season this year and and make a run at it next year? That's a possibility. But I would think with the MVP of the NBA, you should be taking as aggressive of swings as possible to try and take advantage of every single season in a championship window that you have with an MVP caliber player. That's what the Broncos, they were, give the Broncos credit when they had Peyton Manning here at Every single season, you they made some sort of move that was to go all in and win the championship. Like the Rams this past season going out there and getting Matthew Stafford and having it pay off in a Super Bowl championship. The Denver Nuggets, when you have a guy like Nikola Jokic, should be going out and shaking the tree, trying to find some sort of combination to pull off what Milwaukee pulled off last season and get a championship in a city where nobody thinks that a championship is capable of being won. <clears throat> Do I see Tim Connolly? Do I see Michael Malone thinking the way that I was just explaining? Probably not. I do think that they're they're hopeful that when their guys come back, they're going to be able to go on on a run and get hot. The only issue I see with that is how far are you going to fall out right now? Because if you fall further than six, you're definitely in the play-in tournament. And can you win a play-in game? Because it hasn't been your forte in the last few playoff runs outside of the bubble to go and win games that you shouldn't. You don't steal games unless you're on neutral court so far for this Denver Nuggets core, and that's the sad truth. You have not won a major game on the road to advance in the playoffs. To, or, excuse me, Portland knocked you out two seasons ago. San Antonio took you to seven two seasons ago. Unless it was in the bubble, unless it was in a neutral site, you did not have a chance to win a big game in big situations. So this Denver Nuggets team, I think, is missing pieces. They need to take swings. But I think the front office could also be in a situation where they're trying to hold Pat and basically just keep keep the ship steering in the correct direction. And at some point, your engine's going to kick back on and you're going to be able to steamroll through people. It just might be too little too late at that point. I think you're going to be sitting at a 10 seed and out of the playoffs in the Western Conference uh, if that does happen. That's going to bring it to the end of the first in a series for Riding the Pine. Thank you guys very much for listening. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Let your friends know about us. Tell them to listen. That's the best way to help us grow and get on to uh, more and, and ch- more charts and get in front of more people. Like I said, this Riding the Pine series will continue uh, probably up until the beginning of March, and then Nico will come back and we'll get geared up for the March Madness Far End of the Bench Bracket Challenge on ESPN app. Look out for that link. It'll be one bracket, winner take all, and I think we'll probably put it'll be 100 to $250 uh, Visa gift card on the line. So be sure to follow us at FEOTB Pod on all of our social medias. You'll be able to keep up with that. Um, keep up with everything going on with this show. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, if you have not, leave a like, comment on the video. Helps us out there as well. And uh, if you have not yet checked out my other podcast, uh, the Are We All Right podcast with Bree, who's going to be coming on this Right in the Pine series 
here moving forward as well. Be sure to check us out on Fridays on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Are we all right at AWAR pod? And uh, you can send emails into our Gmail account. Are we all right pod at gmail.com without further ado. Thank you guys very much for tuning in for myself, Jimmy Pilato, uh, my co-host not here uh, for this series, but co-host Nico Bryant. This has been the ride in the pine series one on the far end of the bench podcast. This is the blues I'm playing. Yes, it's a fine old thing. When the night is cold and low. This is a dollar bell beat. Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them prices and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them. Ad-